Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is March 7th through the 13th, and we are in Genesis chapters 37 through 41 of the Old Testament. As you can see, I am still living in a hotel after moving across the country, <laughs> and so I just ask that you bear with me. If you hear any noises from movies or children or other people staying in the hotel. So for this week's video, I actually want to focus on the end of our readings for this week and where Joseph is at at that point of his life. So Joseph is right-hand man to Pharaoh. And just to give you an idea of how Joseph was living. So the Egyptians lived relatively well in comparison to other cultures in the world at that time. People were very proud to be Egyptians, right? It was considered honorable to bring in foreign wives and make them Egyptian, but it was considered not so great if you sent your daughters to go live in a different country and marry somebody else because people were so proud to be Egyptians. Pharaoh lived the best, best life of all of them, right? So he had people who did everything for him. He lived a very luxurious life. And Joseph was his right-hand man. So I can only imagine that Joseph lived some kind of, at to some point of luxury, right? More luxurious than he would have if he had remained a nomad fighting over wells, wells with his, his family. So I want you to picture Joseph and he is probably sitting in a very nice house surrounded by his family who is safe, surrounded by his two children who are probably getting an education. And he remained true to the Lord. So I imagine that as he knelt down to pray to the Lord at night, that he felt very full of gratitude and very in awe at how the Lord had orchestrated his life and brought him a Hebrew to come and live in Pharaoh's court in Egypt, right? It was, it was kind of mind-boggling. And I imagine that he felt very happy about where he had ended up. We have a clue to as to how Joseph was feeling. So Israelites liked to name their children. I don't know if this is everybody or just the Israelites, but Israelites really liked to name their children kind of after what they were feeling at the time that the children were born. So this is Genesis chapter 41, verses 51 through 52. And this is about when Joseph named his sons. It says, And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he, hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So the first one, Manasseh, he forgot all of his trials. I don't know if you've ever gotten to a point where you are just so happy and grateful for the life that you're living and the person you've been able to become that you've almost forgotten all the pain from the lessons you had to learn. <laughs> Even from that he has also forgotten the toil that he experienced in his father's house, right? There was a lot of strife between the wives and between the son, between the sons and all of the pain he experienced at the hands of his brothers. And then with the second son, Ephraim, the Lord caused him to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. So Egypt, he caused him to be fruitful in Egypt and prospered him there. Egypt had been a place where Joseph had been enslaved and put in prison. And the Lord caused him to prosper there, to be fruitful there. And so Joseph was feeling very, very grateful. And we know that throughout Joseph's life, he had He'd been positive and he had remained faithful. He had served others like the baker and the butler. He had 
integrity, right? People trusted him. Potiphar trusted him with everything. But as, as faithful as Joseph was, and as wonderful and as positive through whatever trials came his way, I can't imagine that Joseph would have chosen this life. <laughs> at least not in the beginning. Perhaps at the end, but in the beginning. I want you to imagine Joseph as a 17-year-old teenager sitting in a pit, right? He had just been tossed into this pit. We don't know how deep this pit was. He could have been injured getting tossed into this pit with nothing at the bottom. Specifically said there was no water, so he just hit the bottom of this pit. And he's hearing his brothers talk at the top of the pit about whether they're going to kill him or sell him as a slave. And I want you to imagine, let's say an angel came and just kind of plucked Joseph out of the pit, or maybe not even plucked him out, but just went down to Joseph in this pit. And he says, Joseph, you have found yourself in a situation where you are sitting at the bottom of the pit. And he says, Joseph, would you rather uh, soften the hearts of your brothers and you can go home to your family, to your father, or do you want to be sold to the Midianites? <laughs> and I can imagine that there's no way Joseph would have left his family, right? Not only, not even because he wants to avoid problems and trials and hard things, but because he felt that his true place, and he was trying to follow the Lord, he was trying to do what was right, and I can imagine that he felt like he was supposed to remain with his family, right? Why would he ever choose to leave his father, who he was very close to, to leave his mother and his family? Why would he choose to become a slave to tons of people who believed very differently than him? Why would he choose to leave the people who were part of this Abrahamic covenant that were so important to his family and what he had been raised in? He, why would he choose to leave his birthright, right? He was next in line for the birthright. Reuben had sinned and no longer was going to receive it. And Joseph was meant to become the leader of this entire family. And not only was he meant to receive the birthright, but he had dreams about leading his family. And so when the, if an angel had come and stood before him and said, what, what path do you want to take? I can imagine that he would have been like, thank you, angel. I am supposed to remain with my family. I need to do what the Lord wants me to do, and I need to stay here with my family. Please help me out of this pit. Fast forward a little bit. Let's say that he is in Potiphar's house. Let's say the angel didn't come to him in the pit. He's at Potiphar's house, and his, Potiphar's wife has accused him of trying to hurt her. And things are getting a little bit crazy in the house. An angel appears before Joseph, and he says, Joseph. Do you want to remain in Potiphar's house where you are trusted and you have influence and you're able to do good things? Or do you want to go sit in prison for a while? <laughs> I can't imagine that Joseph would have chosen prison. And then fast forward a little bit of time and Joseph has translated, has interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. The butler goes on and is freed just like Joseph predicted. And an angel appears to Joseph in prison and he says, the butler forgot about you. Would you like us to go remind the butler that you helped him? Or would you like to remain in prison a little bit longer? I can imagine that Joseph would have been like, please go remind the butler and let me be freed. Thank you for this miracle. Thank you for, for delivering me from this prison, right? At no point, at none of these crossroads, do I think Joseph would have chosen the life that the Lord had chosen for him. 
even though he's a really good man. I mean, because he was a really good man, he didn't want to be put into these other situations. He would not have chosen the, the life that the Lord would have chosen for him had he not seen what was going to happen. At the end of these chapters that we read this week, when we get to this conclusion where he is standing next to Pharaoh, drawing up plans about how they're going to store the food to save Egypt, as he has stepped back in awe at how the Lord led him through his life to that particular moment, as he finds tears in his eyes as he watches his children play and learn and not have to worry <laughs> about being attacked by other nomads and, and whatnot. I can imagine that Joseph had fallen in love with Egypt to an extent, right? He had learned to love these Egyptian people. And I can imagine that he was so grateful for how the Lord had led him to Egypt to go and help save these Egyptians, to go and build this incredible life for his family and this incredible life for himself. Now, what can we learn from Joseph's crystal clear hindsight, right? Joseph's looking back on his life and he sees all the twists and turns and all the ways that the Lord led him. What can we learn from Joseph's crystal clear hindsight? So we know that Joseph had these dreams about how he's supposed to lead his family. And we know that at each of these crossroads in life, Joseph would not have chosen what the Lord had chosen for him. Of course, he would have remained with his family. Of course, he would have stayed to become their leader, right? His dreams were telling him that's what the Lord wanted him to do. Of course, he would have remained with people of the Abrahamic covenant. However, let's imagine Joseph in this pit again. And the angel comes. And let's say that the angel doesn't isn't offering him a choice. Like, do you want to stay here and lead your family? Or do you want to go be a slave in, e in Egypt? <laughs> Let's say instead, Joseph receives a vision of what his life is going to turn into. And then after this vision of where he sees where the Lord wants him to go, the angel says, you have this option, but we can go soften your brother's hearts if that's what you want us to do. And, and you can choose a different path if you want to choose a different path. I feel like after seeing everything, Joseph would have chosen to go to the Midianites and then to go to the Egyptians and to end up in prison. He would have willingly chose these things. And not only in humility would he have chosen these things, but I think in gratitude he would have chosen these things. If he saw himself at the end, standing next to Pharaoh, saving an entire nation of people, watching his children grow up in safety, I imagine that he would have willingly chosen that route that the Lord had given him, and he would have chosen it with gratitude, despite the fact that he knew what he was going to have to go through in order to receive those things. If you could see the end right now, if you had a vision of where your life was going to lead you, the trials that you're experiencing right now, all of these things, if you had a vision right now, of how you were going to turn out and where your family was going to be, the things that you were going to influence, you would voluntarily choose what you were going through right now. You would want it. You would want 
these trials that you're going through right now because you would know where they were going to lead you. I can imagine that there were times when Joseph must have felt very confused, right? He had these visions that he was going to lead his family, but then did he do something wrong? Like, did he incur the Lord's displeasure? Like, is that why he was led away from his family? Did he lose the birthright like Reuben had? I'm sure there were times where he missed his his old life <laughs> and he missed his father and his mother, maybe even some of his brothers. <laughs> I can imagine that there were times when he prayed for an early deliverance. Even though he didn't know it was early, he was praying, please deliver me from slavery. Please deliver me from Potiphar's house. Help me make it back home. Please deliver me from prison. I can imagine there were times, maybe even in prison, where he stepped back and he's like, okay, this is my reality. This is where I'm at. This is where the Lord wants me to be, I guess. I'm going to be content with it, but if I could just know where it would lead. If I could only know when it was going to end, I can endure anything. There are moments when he was fine and, and humble, and maybe this isn't true of him, but this would have been very true of me. <laughs> maybe there were moments where he's like, okay, I will go through what you want me to go through, Lord, but if I could just see when it would end, and if I could just see where it would lead me, I could do it. I'm sure there have been times in your life where you've been confused about why the Lord has opened certain doors and closed other doors. I'm sure there have been times where you've wondered, did I do something wrong? Is this why I'm in this place in my life? I wonder if there are times where you have second-guessed revelation because things weren't panning out the way that you envisioned. I wonder if there have been times where you have missed your past life, right? Like how it used to look. Or if you have prayed for an early deliverance, like you've prayed, I can't hold on anymore. There is nothing, there's no strength left in me to grow anymore. <laughs> Please deliver me. And I wonder if there have been times where you have felt submissive and you're like, okay, Heavenly Father, that's fine. Like I will walk through this because you want me to, but if I could just know where I'm going to end up or when it's going to end. And I wonder these things about you because that I know that I have felt these things, all of these things at one point or another. But, my dear friend, <laughs> the Lord does not often work that way. He usually only gives us a step at a time. And He does that for very wise purposes. He usually just gives us a step at a time. However, if you could have the end from the beginning. If you could have that vision of where you're going to end up, I promise that you would choose exactly what you're going through now in order to end up where the Lord wants you to be. Another lesson we can learn from Joseph. There is no way to overemphasize the wisdom of the Lord in Joseph's life. If you read, if you really dig down deep and look at all the details and all of the ways that the Lord orchestrated things perfectly, <laughs> there's no way to overemphasize the Lord's the Lord's wisdom. From the Midianites to Potiphar, right? He, Joseph could have ended up with the Midianites, but they sold him to Egypt. From Potiphar's wife accusing him and how she ended up marrying Potiphar, right? And how Potiphar put him in prison instead of executing him because that's usually what would have happened if a slave had made advances towards a master's wife. 
how Joseph became a favored prisoner. <laughs> Didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> how the Lord orchestrated the butler and the baker getting put into prison. How the butler forgot <laughs> that this miraculous interpretation, Joseph's like, yeah, you're going to be freed in so many days. And it happened and the butler just happened to forget Joseph or one of my favorites. So Pharaoh has this dream, right? And he has all of these people who interpret things for him and like read all these signs and, and interpret the will of will of, of their gods. And Pharaoh has this dream and not one single advisor can give the Pharaoh, any kind of guess towards an interpretation towards Pharaoh dreams. Like, none of them. They got nothing, right? They didn't even guess or make something up and said, Pharaoh, this is what your dreams mean, right? They couldn't give him anything, right? There are so many moving parts and details in the story. It is mind-boggling as to how the Lord led a Hebrew throughout all of, throughout his life, but leading all these lives around him, moving everything exactly where they're supposed to go, bringing this Hebrew to stand in Pharaoh's court. And going just beyond that, if we're looking even at just Joseph's life, the fact that Joseph does go on to be a leader in his family, and the Lord is also able to simultaneously soften his brother's hearts while making Joseph the leader over them. <laughs> while going through all of this, I wonder if there were moments of weakness or resentment for Joseph towards the Lord. Maybe not. Maybe he was this near-perfect paradigm of positivity that we read about. Maybe I just like to picture that he had his bad moments <laughs> because it makes me feel better about myself. But regardless of whether Joseph had these dark moments, right? Regardless of whether he had those moments of weakness, I have certainly had these moments of weakness. I've had moments where on my mission and I, I was ready to go home <laughs> and quit. <laughs> and there are moments when, there are moments a lot now <laughs> where I just tell the Lord that I can't do it anymore. There is no more goodness left in me. I <laughs> can't be selfless or I can't, I can't choose to do that anymore. I'm too tired <laughs> and I want to throw a tantrum and be two years old again. There have been moments where I have thought that what the Lord was asking was too much, or maybe even if I'm not thinking that the Lord's asking too high of standards, right? Like, I understand that the Lord has to have high standards because he's got to keep heaven perfect. But there have been moments where I'm like, okay, like, I understand why you have those, why you have those, like, standards, but I can't reach them. I can't do it. Even though I've had these dark moments, <laughs> right now, as I'm sitting in this moment, and it is a moment of peace. It is a moment in which I can look at all the tests that the Lord has put me through thus far, and I can see all his developmental processes, and I can see how these tests and these developmental processes have been a part of my plan of salvation, right? We have the plan of salvation for everybody, but the Lord has a plan of salvation for each individual. All of these dark moments and these hard times and these trials, despite the fact that I resented them, they were the miracles that I needed. They were exactly what I needed to 
reach who I want to be. Like if I were to sit down and think about how I wanted my life to look in the end, these are exactly the moments that I need in order to become that person, in order to have that kind of life. And there will be more moments of darkness and more moments of dramatic sighs and throwing my hands up and saying I can't do it anymore. There will be more moments of forfeiting and saying I give up. And there will be more moments of clarity when I am able to look back in crystal clear hindsight and see that those were exactly the stepping stones that I needed. In literature, there's this thing called dramatic irony. And essentially, it's when you're reading a story and you can see everything that's going on, right? Like you can see what's happening with other characters, but the characters don't know what's going on with other characters, right? So, for example, many of us are familiar with Joseph's story and how he has led throughout his entire life to stand next to Pharaoh. But as you're reading Joseph's story, he doesn't know that. <laughs> he doesn't know that he's going to end up with Pharaoh. That's dramatic irony. Someday, you will get to read over your life and you will experience an essence of this dramatic irony where you can see where you end up and you can see this glorious being that the Lord has helped you to become through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And you are able to see how everything fell in perfectly, even if your life seemed tragic at the end, when you cross over onto the other side and you see what really the Lord has brought you to. As you're reading through your story, you'll have this dramatic irony. And you will wish that you could go down and put your arm around your... <laughs> around yourself and say, this is exactly what you need. I know it's so hard and these dark moments are not fun, but they are exactly what you need. Just wait, it gets so good. I testify of our Savior Jesus Christ. I testify that he is a God of goodness and a God of miracles and he brings goodness into our lives and he brings miracles into our lives. And I testify that sometimes the trials and the dark moments are the miracles. Not just the, the deliverance at the end of the trial, but the trial itself. Those are miracles for us. Those are the things that bring about the biggest miracle, which is spiritual growth, which is salvation, bringing us back to live with our Heavenly Father, right? When we think about the atonement of Jesus Christ, it wasn't the end that was the miracle. It was the pain that the Savior went through. <laughs> that's my son <laughs> I am grateful I'm grateful for those dark moments I'm grateful come here for just a second I am grateful <laughs> for the hard moments that bring me these guys I'm grateful for the savior and the dark moments that he went through because those dark moments were the miracles that made it so that I can return to live with my Heavenly Father, with my family forever. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.